this garden grow All it takes is a rake and a hoe And a piece of fertile ground Inch by inch, row by row Someone bless these seeds I sow Someone warm them from below Till the rain comes tumbling it is time right now for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Peter Burke at thedailygardener.com. Our program here on WDEV is brought to you by Menards Agway, family true value. Your neighborhood yard, garden, and pet place on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Grow Compost of Vermont, compost soils and mulches at growcompost.com, Route 2 in Moortown. By the Willie's Store in Greensboro, your true value store. If they don't have it, you probably don't need it. Guy's Farm and Yard, Montpelier, Morrisville, Williston, and St. Albans. Yes, four locations to serve you. By Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse, and Perennial Farm in Colchester. By PR Lumber, locally milled lumber, family owned, and on Route 15 in Walkett. Buy your locally owned Montpelier Agway seeds and feeds and so much more right there on Route 2 in Montpelier. And by V's Flowers and Garden Shop, Main Street, Waitsfield. Your telephone calls with your gardening questions and comments about how gardening is going this season, always welcome. Our lines are open, 802-244-1777 and toll free, 877-291-8255. And here's your host, Peter Burke. Hey, Joel. Hello. Hello, and uh, good afternoon to you. It's a beauty out there. And... Uh, Lots to do in the garden today. A great day for it. Yep, yep. But I hope you guys are taking a break, coming in for lunch, and going to sit down and talk garden. We have, um, boy, there's so much to do. Uh, It seems like everybody's talking about putting things in late this year. I know uh, uh, my wife said uh, she wanted me to plant some more coal collard, collard greens. So I'll be planting those this afternoon and some more kale and uh, some more broccoli. It's actually the second planting of broccoli. I thought you were going to say kohlrabi with you first. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, you know, I, I've grown kohlrabi, yep. but um, I figure it's so much like the stem of a broccoli that I just mm-hmm. grow the broccoli and we eat the stems. You know, <laughs> I like seeing the little Sputniks grow. You know, it reminds <laughs> yeah. me of the early satellites. Yeah. Well, I have to admit that uh, where was a it was at a NOFA convention down in Worcester, Mass. And uh, there was a guy there who had a ton of kohlrabi, and he was cutting it up and passing it out and saying, you know, you really need to try this. I, I, it was delicious. It was absolutely fantastic and, and well worth the, the trouble. My Czechoslovakian grandparents brought theirs from the old country. They oh, no kidding. Gold. Yep, right. Oh, I, uh, they just cook it up? or yep. Yep. boil it up and, and, and until it gets tender enough. And she put some spices in it. Oh, yeah. And I wish I knew exactly what it was because I, I when I do it myself that way, uh, it doesn't taste quite the, the way I remember it, you know. So <laughs> a, a, a note to oneself out there, if you have living grandparents, get their uh, recipes. Get their recipes now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I've got my book of recipes that I use, but 
golly. The poor kids, they'd have a hard time fishing through all that. And I keep telling myself, at some point, I'm going to write all these down because I use them so often when I'm, you know, that it sort of is a, um, uh, it's almost, uh, you, they go together perfectly as if you're going to have a garden, you probably need to learn a little bit more about cooking, that's for sure, because that's the best way to use all your stuff is fresh in a salad and, and cooking some of the vegetables that come in. Way to way to go! And uh, well, last year, last week, we talked about um, bugs. What's bugging you, right? <laughs> there was a couple I missed that that didn't even occur to me until afterwards. I was thinking it all over. Uh, I know there's more than what I was talking about, but uh, one of them is the cutworm. And the cutworm is if you if you're not sure what I'm talking about, it's about an inch long. It's sort of orangish. It looks like an armored-plated worm. And uh, anytime you're you're digging around the garden, you're sure to come up and, and uh, see one or two. My first introduction to the cutworm was planting uh, lettuce sets. Came out one day and a lettuce set just laying on the ground. Well, like somebody had cut it off, and I was looking around and wondering, you know, chipmunks wouldn't do that, and if they were going to do it, they'd eat the whole thing. Usually, snails, if they come up, and, and uh, they'll devour the whole thing. You know, they're not going to going to leave it on the ground. Well, I thought, well, what is the purpose of just cutting it off and leaving it on the ground? Next day, I came out. Sure enough, there was another one laying on the ground, <laughs> and I'm going. What the heck? Do, do is, they do they just like that one little portion that's above well, the ground? The, yeah, that's <laughs> that, all that, they that have. That, that, you know, they're they're not too too well equipped. So that's what they do. They just wrap their their little uh, armor plated worm self around the stem, and they just eat it the way in, and it cuts it right off. That's all. That's about all there is to it. Now, years ago, when my when the kids were at home when they were little, mm -hmm. we used to buy milk in the gallon containers, mm -hmm. and I would slice up the empty containers into uh, I guess four or three or four yeah. sections, yeah. and make those as little collars around my broccoli plants, and that worked like a charm yep. until one day I had I think I had 12 or we're counting the uh, yeah. the, the Brussels sprouts maybe maybe even more because remember I had a whole no and they're li like little hot houses you know yeah. being translucent sure. yeah and one broccoli plant was chopped down I said how did that guy get in there <laughs> I looked around I realized I must have encased him in that's there. what you did so yeah, I locked yeah. him in a room with a with a delicious buffet <laughs> table for him in there but I, I actually could see the worm he was still he was still there above oh, ground and, well the, the, the you've you've hit on the two things you yeah. do for cut words is one is you take uh oh something like a pencil or a stick or something right you just kind of dig around a little bit and it's it's worth it finding the one that you know that's right there around that plant and uh, just dig around a little bit, and sooner or later you'll find them, and you put them out and throw them on a brick someplace, or you know, and a bird will come along and eat them up. But um, and then, of course, the other thing is a collar. So if it's a problem that you have in your garden and you see it fairly often, you can you can just put a oh, even a cardboard collar will last long enough to get you through the season. Because once they start, they like the tender. You know, the tender stems. Yeah. You're not going to go for a, an adult stem. Yeah, and uh, years ago when I was doing the garden work, 
not hosting, but uh, mm -hmm. engineering the garden show for yeah. Burlington Station. Dick, yeah. Dick Raymond showed yeah. me how to fold up a newspaper. So, oh. you know, back when you had <laughs> a, a lot of newspapers, when you had like a Sunday free press. To, oh. you know, that, <laughs> actually had some substance to it and i don't i don't mean to editorialize it is it is sad you know i miss I, that's I, right i have to rely on seven days to line my birdcage that's right it. but yeah. at any rate you could fold newspaper to make those collars <laughs> and then it would uh, by the next se next season it would be, be part of the part right. of the garden you know? yeah, right right then that's the same idea yeah. if you have a you know like a box board from a cracker box or a cereal box or something like that just you can you know Wrap it around something and go ahead and staple or tape it or anything like that. Well, by and, the by the time it rained, it was uh, you know already going back to the earth. By by that time, the plant was pretty well re resistant yeah. to yeah. cutworms. I think we have a during all my chatter. I think we have a, 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 a caller <laughs> waiting, and I hope not getting impatient. Oh yeah, your first name in town, please. Uh, Laurel from Worcester. Hey, Laurel. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Uh, it's great to hear your show. Um, we I, we have a question and a problem. Wondering if you can help us out. I will try. It has to. All right, it's moss, um, which my husband feels is taking over the lawn, and it's beginning to encroach on my flower gardens. And I absolutely don't want it to encroach on my vegetable gardens. So is there anything you can suggest that really takes care of it? <laughs> well, sure. Uh, um, moss likes acid soil. So the first thing you've got to do is uh, you can just simply put the, the lime on it and sweeten it up that way. Or you can do a soil test, and, and then that would give you, you know, how much lime to add. If, if it's taking over, I would say it's probably very acidic and that you'd probably have to, to apply a fair amount to really make a difference. Okay, so that should that should do it. And if I add a whole lot of lime, mm -hmm. it won't it won't hurt the flower gardens, right? No, generally that that'd be fine with the flower gardens. You have to stay away from something like uh, do you have blueberries or something? I have raspberries. Okay, you wouldn't want a lime near the raspberries or the blueberries or azaleas. You know, there are some that that like a little acidic. Um, okay. So, uh, of course, but the lime, that, that you can lime, but uh, as you lime, you should also reseed the lawn, the lawn because oh, okay. you're going to have great yeah. big patches where the, where the moss is, is probably die back a little bit or be set back. Uh, go ahead and reseed and, and create some uh, competition in there so that the grass can grow. And, and, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Now, will this... Will this um, Will it cause the moss to die? Yeah. And then and then disappear because we my husband has put some stuff on it that's supposed to kill the moss mm -hmm. and it kills it but it just stays right there. Yeah. Well, I, you know, uh, so there's two things. It's something that kills it, right, only kills mm -hmm. the plant, but the whole root system is there. And the conditions, uh -huh. the conditions that create the moss, which is the acidic soil, are still there. So what okay. you want to do is make uh, uh, an environment, more or less, a, a soil right. that grass likes. And right. if, it's, if it's too acidic, then, then it's not going to like it. So that's why I say you, you have to, you want to put the lime in um, if you can, if you can possibly get some sort of uh, 
compost type thing. I know a lawn is big and we take an awful lot of compost to, to really do it, but um, uh, you could go ahead and uh, use um, the compost to, to enrich the soil. So that's part of the problem is the soil is probably not very rich. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it very much. Alrighty. Have a good day. All right. And good luck with the program. Thanks again. Thank you. All right. So, um, did did you have another call there? Okay. Good. Alrighty. Uh, So, um. Where was I? I was on cutworms, right? So we did the two things for cutworms. Uh, as you're digging around, if you dig around the plant, just with a pencil, sort of look for the cutworm that's the, the critter that's causing the problems and move, you know, they seem to move sort of in a line, but I, I don't know. It's complete speculation on my part. Uh, it's just I've noticed that if I plant a line of, of uh, uh, lettuces, it'll uh, go right down the line. I, I have seen it happen so that's that's cutworms and we'll go on to other things after call yes indeed um, okay. we asked our caller your first name in town hi i'm mike i'm from swanton hey mike welcome aboard uh thank you i i've got a question it's not really about a garden uh my son has three maple trees on his property yeah and uh you know, I, I tap them every year. I get a ton of sap. Yeah. And, and but the youngest one uh, is got like on the leaves. It's kind of like a brown spots all over it. I don't really see bugs crawling around, but it seems to be just eating the leaves away. Huh. Well, uh, I noticed that the the tent uh, the tent caterpillars. You know, yep. have you seen them? Uh, I don't. Do you see any of their webs around or anything like that? I don't. Because they don't. just. I, I I do keep my eyes open for you know like uh, caterpillars and stuff. Yeah. I, I haven't seen anything walking around. It's kind of just a, like what's ever on there. It's just eating the leaves away. Yeah, well, uh, th that's where you want to start is you see if you can't capture one and see what the heck it is. Okay. But, okay. you know, most of the bugs, it's like the, the tent worms and all those, they're they're on a cycle. You know, they'll come yep. up, you'll have a couple bad years, and the next thing you won't see them for another seven years or something like that. Yeah. Uh, well. Most of the time, there's enough foliage that it's not going to affect, um, you know, yeah. affect the tree over the long run. Okay. Um, and I don't think that it's a normal practice to feed uh, uh, maple trees, um, but you know I I don't know enough about the maple to to be able to tell yep. you whether you should feed it or not. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, well, I I will keep my eyes open see if I see anything crawling around. If I do, I'll put it in a jar or something. Yeah. And, yep. Um, and uh, the uh, UVM. Um, is really good about uh, you can take a picture of the bug and send it to them and they they will get back to you and tell you what they think it is yeah okay and they do a lot of research on maples so you know they they probably can tell you exactly what what that is um, yeah you give them a picture or something yeah. um, the the only one you know of course the the beach are, are 
having uh, disease problems, and now the um, the ash with the ash borer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, but as far as I know, there's there's nothing affecting them. Okay. Yeah, I kind of worry because you know it's it's kind of you know early in the the summer, and uh, you know to j- just see uh, you know like limb after limb go. Yeah. Oh, we definitely you know, yeah. leafless. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And and, and uh, you know I I get such a kick out of. Uh, getting sap out of it, out of the trees, because uh, yeah. for for three maples, it's amazing. I only tap for like three or four days when it's running, wow. and, and and I boil between three and four gallons. Wow, that is a lot. That, that, that's off uh, three trees. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Great, and, <laughs> and they're like old friends at this point. Then, yeah, it it does sound uh, a lot. Um, like the tent worm, the way it's defoliating it. And so yeah. I would look for some tents to, and they yeah. hatched uh, a, maybe a week or so ago. So mm-hmm. I had some in, in one of my apple trees. Oh, yeah. They were just about, they were ready to, uh, I hadn't noticed it before. Yeah. Uh, and by the time I got to them, they were full, full fledged worms. They were just about ready to hatch and they would have, yeah. they would have defoliated that uh, little apple tree mm-hmm. really quickly. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much. I'm, you're, I'm, I'm you're going to, you know, as soon as I spot something walking around here, I'm definitely going to run it up to UVM and, uh, yeah, yep. you, know, you know, you never know. Thanks for the call, Mike. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, take yep. care. I guess even if you don't find the critter, uh, the bug, yeah. uh, you know, the, the leaf itself will probably be oh. enough information. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. And you okay, have, I... You have will, both the uh, entomology. I will run up there and I'll let, you, I'll let you know what I find out. Yeah, it'd be great. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you so much. Yep. Yeah, you have both the Maple Center up there at UVM and the entomology people. So <laughs> between the two of them, you know, they'll, they'll have the combined uh, uh, knowledge as to what's happening. I remember, I, I know one of the things that the Maple Center is constantly researching is the acid rain problem. Hmm. Because maple trees are are sensitive, and uh, um, you know there is uh, definite changes in climate. Not to beat an old horse, but it, uh, <laughs> there are plenty of plenty of changes happening in lots of places. And uh, Vermont's uh, maple forests are uh, yeah. well as prone as any other tree. Yeah, that's right. And uh, you know, there of course some things go in cycles anyway, but. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it seems like a weather extremes are definitely uh, affecting a lot of uh, people's crops. I was at two of our underwriters this past week. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, first to get uh, uh, some um, uh, several big bags of compost from Grow Compost. And then I went to Clausen's. Mm-hmm. And uh, in addition to my reseeding uh, by their by nature, the uh, morning glories I have, I bought a whole bunch of different color morning glory oh. plants from them and put them in and around the mailbox again. And boy, they in about a week's time, they're really doing well. I think finally, <laughs> finally, uh, the, the soil and everything else that uh, comes together to make uh, spring and summer in Vermont finally decides, yes, it is the growing season. Because <laughs> everything was growing slowly for so long, yeah. except the weeds, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And um, at any rate... Um, 
yeah. combination of some of that uh, good grow compost. <laughs> and, so the morning uh, glories, wonderful plants. Yeah, I buy I buy buy them started. Yeah, already the the blue, right? That's the most common. Yeah, they have yeah. the blue, uh, and they have a scarlet, uh-huh. and they have the um, I don't know what exactly they call them—not moonflowers, but because they are there are moonflowers which are like morning glories and come at night. But uh, pearly gates are oh. the white ones, oh, the and white. they are real morning glories. So oh. I might look if everything comes out the way I'm hoping. I'll have a very patriotic that mailbox. Red, white, and blue. Red, I white, get and now. blue. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, boy, they're, they're plant. You know, you don't think in terms of some starter plants, but they they have them all there. And yeah. So if, uh, yeah. you know, if the bunny rabbits got there early and ate everything down, you can still get <laughs> a, a starter plant for vine crops and, and flowers as well. So, anyway. Yeah. Uh, and it's been a late season for yeah. almost everything anyway. But. And I've noticed in Morning Glories, I've tried everything to get them to start early. Mm-hmm. And they just won't do it. They they have a date somewhere in their, you know, DNA that says, I'm not going to grow, you know, so much as one tendril until a certain time. Yeah. And then they take right off. Well, that was something we were talking about last week was the uh, the radishes. And I, uh, I looked that up a little bit. I was kind of curious as to if there was anything that, uh, that we didn't talk about. And there, there was one thing, as far as I recall, I remember saying, you know, try to do a few different varieties. But um, they were saying uh, very specifically the long, um, more or less the French breakfast. You know that one with the, the red with the white oh, yeah. tip on it? And that's about, oh, maybe three or four inches long. And then sometimes on, and and that was one. My wife and I have always said, "Well, that grows better in the summer," and it's true. Uh, I guess it was more than just a good guess. And then, um, and then the other one was the uh, white icicle. That's oh, yeah. also a long, long one. So those long ones grow uh, better in the warmer weather. So. You switch over from the cherry bells, the round ones, over to the the other ones, the long ones, and you'll have a constant supply. Well, my solution to that problem was uh, discovering <laughs> the. Well, we, we were getting phone calls. I mean, uh, for you know, for a long while, you yeah. know, about some people not being able to grow radishes, yeah. and, and of course, I always thought that was the easiest. The easiest thing one going. Going, yeah. <laughs> But uh, I, I bought the, uh, I can't think of the Vermont Seed Company then. Uh, high mowing? High mowing. Yeah, yeah. I, I recommend uh, really, really buy the high mowing mixed radish. Yeah. Because in the, in, the, in the packet of seeds, there are about eight or nine different varieties <laughs> of radish. And I, most, if not all, grow up beautifully. And yeah. I'm always discovering some new things. And they don't, they don't, uh, they, they, they don't trick you into putting a super hot one in there. They're all <laughs> radishy type Just radish, really but they, they look different and they come up at slightly different times. I'll have to and they're wonderful. Yes, yeah, so, and they're mixed radish, so yeah. you know you're, you're not going to you know <laughs> luck out the wrong way and uh, you know buy a radish that just won't grow in your particular yeah. soil. Yeah. Okay, I think we got a phone call here. Oh, okay, great. Phone is uh, lighting up in all strange places here, but I think it is a phone call. And I will say, I will ask your first name in town. This is Yvonne, um, New Haven. Hi. Hi. Um, my husband seems to tend think that he should lay the uh, wire thing for the cucumbers, lay it down. Uh-huh. Don't you don't you say that you put the wire for the cucumbers to go right straight up through? Right? I, I 
Now, I don't want to get in in between you and your husband, but uh, uh-huh. I, I vote for the trellis up. And the up reason and the reason is, and you may yeah. still get the benefit if you lay it down on the ground, but the reason I like it up is two things. One is it, it brings that vine away from the soil where the cucumber beetle oh. and the oh. uh, squash borer are. And they, oh. they tend to come up out of the ground in the larvae stage and they'll, they'll bore right into a, a squash plant if it's on the ground. Oh, the okay. second thing is uh, just simply uh, uh, a practicality is it's a lot easier to pick when you yeah. can do it standing up. And uh, yeah. for me... Yeah. Uh, uh, running my arms through the squash, I always have to remember to wear a long sleeve because uh, they they make me itch like crazy. I, yeah, I, uh, uh-huh, <laughs> you know. And okay. then the uh, the third thing is that the the when um, your cucumbers are on the ground, they're more likely to be attacked by slugs. Okay. Yeah. And also, okay. the a lot of times where it's laying on the ground, there'll be a, like a yellow side to it, which yeah. you, which oh, you never have oh. on a trellis. Oh, so oh, I think okay. we're up to like okay. four four good reasons to to grow yeah, them up. Very very good. I wish I'd had a recorder. I'd have recorded that. <laughs> <laughs> he's out in the shop. <laughs> oh well, that, I have a recorder. There's a podcast. You can you can uh, you can go on the computer and and. I don't uh, own a computer. What well, you can get? You can go to the library. Oh, well, there's computers I don't, there. I don't go there either. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about okay. a tele? Do you have a phone? No, I don't. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Get a piece of paper and a pencil, and I'll I'll repeat them. How about that? Okay. <laughs> because uh, the trellises are. Okay, I got the, the tre- paper, I got the pencil. All right. Trellises, I, I, you know, I really, I use them on every single bed I have, and I have 54 okay. by 4 beds. So I, I, you know, I put them up on the, uh, uh, you know, six, even eight feet tall, and I use them uh, year six, to year. Eight feet tall? Well, six foot uh, on uh, almost yeah. every one, and some of them I do eight okay. feet for the uh, pole beans. Okay. Okay. And so you know, uh, number one, it gets the vine off the ground. They're less likely mm-hmm. to be attacked by the squash borer okay. or the cucumber beetle. That's number one. N- number two is that the uh, they it keeps them off the ground so that they aren't attacked by slugs. And you don't have that yellow spot on the bottom where it's sitting on the uh, sitting on the ground. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The other one is they're easier to pick because they're up, you know, off the off the ground, and you can stand there and pick them. And I like that part a lot. And the cucumbers grow really well. They seem to like that. There's, you know, they they're well shaped. They're nice and straight. Um, and so they know how to go up up straight then, and they, they do. don't need to go lay lay the thing like uh, kitty corner, you know, kind of. Tilted. Yeah. You don't know. Just no, go up. They, they'll go the up just fine. They, um, yeah. Like I said, I for my cukes, uh, at least six foot. And uh, they'll they'll keep just keep producing and producing. And that's 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 a great okay. benefit. In four square feet, more or less, I use a, a trellis that's four feet four, four wide. Four square feet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
square feet. Okay, so okay. that's that's a one foot by four foot bed, uh, bed or, or plot uh -huh, in the uh -huh. bed. I well, put in the trellis on that, and I plant actually eight cucumber plants. It's like having three hills right there in that one spot. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh -huh. So in four square feet, you can get almost uh, what would take you 30 square feet on the ground. So it's well, a oh, it's a okay, tremendous yeah. benefit, and it makes yeah. it really easy to water because you just you yeah. water right at the base of that trellis, and also when you fertilize, you can fertilize. Yeah, well, that's, this this year that's what we've got is a raised bed yep. for the cucumbers and the tomatoes, and that's it. Yeah. No, because my husband had open heart surgery oh, after boy. Easter, so sorry. we're taking it easy this year. Yeah, I, I know. I, I had a year like that two years ago, and we oh, yeah. we we grew a lot of uh, crimson clover in the garden that year. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay then I'll, we'll go, I'll tell him that oh, I, it, was it Yvonne E-V-O-N Yvonne Y-V-O-N-N oh, oh yeah oh, okay Yvonne well it's nice to meet you and thanks for calling in let me well, know if you have it and I listen to you every weekend so. oh well thank you I yeah. appreciate that thank you. yeah have a good day yeah you too okay. bye bye yep bye bye All right. So, um, so speaking of of the um, cucumbers and uh, other squashes, you know, that's that's one of the other uh, bugs that I didn't talk about was the squash borer mm -hmm. and the cucumber beetle, and uh, of course, just regular old uh, keeping the, the garden clean and raked and, uh, you know, digging it up in the falls, not digging it, but raking it through, that helps to uh, uh, break the cycle of, of those kinds of bugs. Uh, putting the putting your squashes on a on a vine big help there that that really makes a big help. The other thing you can do is to uh, put a um, the a mulch you know like a straw mulch underneath the plant, and that helps to break that cycle because the larvae come up out of the ground and attack you know as soon as they find that squash vine they just uh, they burrow in and they say oh, well home sweet home. So um, the uh, trellis is, is a great way to avoid those problems uh, from the squash borer or the cucumber beetle. And uh, it's a little harder to do with uh, like the winter squashes, you know, those, the winter squash is a little harder to grow on a trellis. Boy, I've, I've never seen anything well, like butternut or anything on yeah, I can't. Uh, you know me, I'm always trying that yeah, stuff, right? Well, well, here's the interesting thing. You get this, <laughs> this acorn or the butternut right. hanging off there. And they're good size. They grow just normal size. The only difference is that the stem is probably twice the size. Uh -huh, it, adapts. it compensates. Yeah. It adapts for that for the hanging fruit by having a larger stem. <laughs> I learn something every day. <laughs> <laughs> they can. So when I do those in my four by four bed, I actually put three trellises up. So I'll grow them all, and then I'll, I'll put a couple sticks over the top, and they'll grow right up and right over. It's like a little uh, mini uh, squash hut, you know. Yeah. <laughs> some some neighbors uh, down the road, I don't know, had uh, for free yeah. a, a 
a, a trellis that they had used, I think, for a daughter's wedding. Uh-huh, yeah. Picture one of those square trellis sure. where we'd put flowers and everything, and they would stand underneath it for the ceremony. Oh, terrific. And it was free, so I'm, I'm putting it in the back garden <laughs> and seeing if my cucumbers grow. Of course it will. Right. Of course you know, it will. So, you know, sometimes you do have to, in the beginning, you have to train them a little bit with a Velcro tie, you know, and just uh, go ahead and tie them up a little bit. And uh, most of the time, particularly cucumbers, they, they have their, their little things that catch on everything. And uh, uh, they'll usually do okay. But once the fruit starts to come, I, I go back in and I'll tie up a couple of three places just to make sure that, the, you know, a good hard rain or a, a high wind doesn't knock them over and pull the vines down. So. Well, my yeah, I, I'm trying once again uh, to uh, be, uh, in my limited garden this year. I'm still trying to uh, mm-hmm. do what I do every year, and that's grow my own gazpacho. So I'll have the peppers and the cucumbers mm. and the tomatoes. You know, mm. yeah. how do you make your gazpacho? <laughs> I have I I have a recipe. Is this an old recipe from? Well, the- yeah, it, it's actually an old recipe that I found in a book a oh. long time ago, maybe forty <laughs> years ago. Yeah, and uh, and it's Louis De Soto's. Gaspacho. Oh boy! Okay, my my brother referred to it as, as Louis Gaspacho's DeSoto. That old car will give you a good deal on. But uh, if you can Google that, Louis L U I S Louis DeSoto's Gaspacho, and it's the, the, the three. Uh, I think there's uh, there's some garlic in it, of course, and a lot of dried French bread. You know, and it really gets nice and thick. And I'm getting hungry. And we have a caller on the line. <laughs> All right, great. Save us. Good afternoon. Your first name in town. Whoops. Hey, are you there? No, I just I just noticed it disappearing, and I did. I honestly didn't touch that one. Oh yeah, phone's been acting. Well, a give us fun. a call back. Give us a call back. We'll put I, you right I, on. I heard your first two, first two words. Give a call back, and we apologize for. It's funny the phones are acting strange. Things are lighting up that don't normally light. It hasn't affected us yet, but well, it's a, it's an all new phone system, right? It is an all new phone system. There's a way of blocking every telephone line, in the, and it went on by itself. Mm-hmm. And then I did manually turn that off, and then a couple of phones were ringing that normally never ring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and well, this one is now. This one is the one that should be ringing, and I'm going to push the on button and say, "Well, we're going to try a, a take two on this." Uh, your first name in town? <laughs> yeah, I was on a talk phone. It should work, but uh, I'm back on the regular. Uh, yeah, this is Terry, terrible Terry from southern uh, the southern remote. Excuse me, I'm getting warmed up here. But a southernmost listener of DEV, uh, I think Joe will know who's on the line here. Way down south, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Jerry, welcome to the show. Glad yeah. Well, uh, that other fellow called about maple trees, so I thought, well, oh, I'm interested in butternut trees. Does anybody out there know why the catkins seem to come out okay with the, the pollen and so forth? But then there are no butternuts, and that's been going on for about 10 years. And I've got about five trees old enough, mostly they show signs of the disease. But I've had one that for three or four years would produce several chest, uh, butternuts. And this is different from my chestnuts, of course. But uh, why are we not getting butternuts anymore? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, nuts are just like fruits, and they will run a cycle of, uh, you know, a year on or two years off. Uh, is But how many years have you not gotten? About 10. Oh, okay. And I'm not the only one. There was an old-timer here that had a favorite tree down by one of the machine shops. Uh-huh. He gathered chestnuts almost every, uh, butternuts every year. 
and then suddenly they stop producing. That tree is pretty well diseased now, but he's also gone. Yeah. But he was complaining up until his, he couldn't find any butternuts anymore. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. somebody out there knows what's going on. I'd appreciate it. I, I know Dale Bergdahl over in uh, Shalat has been working on the butternut problem, but uh, I don't know if he listens to the program and might have an answer, but I haven't thought to call him if I can find his number. Yeah. Anyway, that's a, throw, throw that question out. Maybe somebody else is interested. Uh, and how old are the trees? Oh, they're anywhere from uh, 30 to 10. 30 to 10. Down to 10, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So you planted the 10-year-olds the or were the, those the squirrels? The squirrels helped me plant them. <laughs> you had help. Yeah, because we had two or three good old-type trees, and so mm -hmm. every once in a while a new butternut will show up somehow. Oh, that's great. Their that's shelf life or their storage life must be great because uh, I still see new seedlings coming up all of a sudden. Yeah, I know. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we have a, an oak tree. Uh, there was a, what would you call it, like a mother oak. I mean, it was... Uh, probably a three foot diameter it was huge huge yep. and uh, it just recently uh, uh, died out and it was cut down and uh, but the I'm still uh, pulling uh, uh, oak trees out of my garden <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and when that when that happened when that went down there was probably mm, 10 15 squirrel nests right away we're right across the street so oh, right boy. away there was all around us all around the house because yeah. we have uh, they they were fine in the in the maples and stuff now one, I know. Of, one of the things with with like the the beech and other nut trees uh, the chestnut and and a lot of them uh, there have been, you know, disease problems for oh, yeah. quite a few years. But also, uh, unfortunately, the as Joe was mentioned about the acid rain, the acid rain really does affect nut trees quite a bit. Oh. And um, I don't know. I thought that the acid rain was really under control and that, that it wouldn't be a problem. That would, that would be my guess that it's not a problem. Wow. I hadn't uh, heard that. That's a good. That could be a, a, a cause of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, generally, uh, you know, a lot of times they say pollution. You know, the air pollution and stuff yeah. will affect nut trees more than other types of trees. I see. Well, my chestnuts seem to do all right. I have hybrid American Chinese combine and some oh, Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. As uh, Joel knows, I think. How old yep. are those? Yep. What's that? Oh. Uh, the oldest one is about 40 years old. And the youngest one, uh, I'm going out and check to see how many squirrels planted them last fall so that that would be my yearlings. Oh, yeah. And that's how I've increased my uh, 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 grove because I go out and I find new seedlings coming up every year. The, the darn fools, they, they go plant a chest, hide a chestnut and they forget where they put it oh, yeah. so that it grows. Yeah, yeah. Well, the... the um the question is, uh, it's a hybrid, right? American-Chinese? I, I have enough American or Chinese in the hybrids that they're disease-resistant. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. And as uh, Joel knows, we are, I'm part of an uh, organization, the American Chestnut Foundation, and I'm part of the Vermont, New Hampshire chapter, uh, where we exhibit at the farm show every year, um, sh showing the mission of bringing back the American chestnut through a hybridization process, breeding process of... Yeah. In injecting the genetic structure that from the Chinese into the American that resists the fungus from attacking the tree. And so far, the blueprint plan, as I call it, is working. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, we now have the first planting of the 
uh, first generation of the restoration tree, we're calling it, up at the old forest nursery over in uh, uh, Essex there, Jericho. Wow, that's great. And, of course, I'll be dirt napping 30, 40 years by now, uh, from now when they know <laughs> that those trees are either going to make it or not. <laughs> uh, uh, it's a funny thing about growing trees, and and you, you do it for the future. There's no question about it. Oh, yeah. But uh, if you believe in the future, it's well worth the uh, well worth the effort. And uh, yeah, well, I'll tell you, uh, commend you for doing four or five generations now. Nut trees may be important source of food here in Vermont because who knows? Maybe we can't import all the good food we brought bring in from around the rest of the world in the country. Uh, maybe we won't want to. I, that's that what I like. Be. I think oh, that, yeah. uh, using local sources of food is is a much better idea. Well. I've testified a couple of times up the legislature and the ag committees that we need to think of preserving the, the production land we have now and not turning them into malls. Yeah. I know of two great fields, lush bottomland fields that produced wonderful crops are now yep. totally covered with macadam and stores and shopping malls. And yeah. It's a sad thing to see it for somebody that's uh, sensitive to agriculture production. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's the story on that. Well, Terry, thanks. Uh, thanks for calling. Good hearing from you. Always great to uh, see yeah. you at the farm show, and thank you for the good work you you do. I, okay. Well, I keep up your good work on the, the other side of the fence of the public radio, your Saturday night programs. They're great. Oh, well, thanks a lot. We have fun. Great. Yep. Take, Take care. care. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Yeah. I've learned so much about chestnuts and everything from Terry and his group. It's, oh, yeah. And yeah. The same, when you're down at the uh, E there. The Big E as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, or is it over this, no, the, this, uh, no, Terry has a booth with uh, his colleagues at, at the at the farm show, which is now at Essex, the one that oh. used to be at the oh, okay, Barry yeah. Auditorium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, but we do have the Big E coming up, and uh, we WDEV will be will be there again, and uh, always uh, always a lot of interesting things there. I'm one of the things that uh, I, I talk to a couple of people from the New Hampshire uh, various agriculture groups, and they're coming up with all kinds of of blight resistant tomatoes. Yeah, and I can yeah. I'm full of stories about that, but I'll hold off because we have another <laughs> caller. Okay, good. And uh, let us see your first name in town, please. Hi, it's Karen from Hardwick. Hey, Karen. Welcome aboard. I just heard Terry talking about food security. Mm -hmm. And I had a guy here for breakfast that picked up 50-pound sacks of carrots for the local restaurant. Mm. Coming from Saudi Arabia. Oh, no. Get out. <laughs> Are you kidding? That's what he said. Oh, my. And they're importing our water over there. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that would be interesting. Isn't that something? Yeah. My goodness. Yeah, it's uh, and they're probably growing in uh, hut houses because. Well, he says they're over a foot long and and three yeah. inches across. Yeah, right. Yeah, they just make a bed that's specifically for for that and. So keep planting, folks. All right, kiddo. Bye bye. I appreciate that. Whoops, sorry. Yep. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was just picturing them growing in sand. <laughs> no, but obviously hot house. Uh, certainly, uh, certainly hard growing carrots in my in my. Uh, oh, in your soil. Hot, high, it's all. It's yeah. not only it's not only clay soil, but it's the blue clay soil yeah. because it used to be a lake where my backyard was. And I learned that after after owning the house <laughs> and property for twenty years. Oh yeah, one of the old timers said, "Oh yes, remember when they drained the lake there?" <laughs> 
Right. And of so, course, after the first big raid, I had one of my dreams, an indoor pool. But I not, not, I not <laughs> did want it pre precisely the way it happened in my that basement. That wasn't quite what you had in mind. But my point is, when I did try to grow carrots and that stuff, I've augmented the soil a great deal. Yeah. They would make, they would be A, smaller, and yeah. B, they would make right and left turns yep. in the same carrot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lordy. I know. It's what we have to put up with, though, huh? Uh, a good thing to have. Uh, well, those raised beds would help. I'm sure have helped you a lot. With yeah, that. they do. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, we had to use some raised beds to raise the daycon radishes. The the it, but they are like 16 inches long. You know, maybe even 20 sometimes. So it was just you, it takes you have to stand over them and pull. So, I didn't want the show to go by without me mentioning the uh, two new plants I put in the garden. I, I put in catnip, oh, okay, no. yeah, uh, great perennial, and I, I have a container of it. And I'm going to aim the security. Something is eating my catnip, and I'm going to put the security camera on it. I'm, probably the neighbor's cat. You know, that's probably the most obvious thing. But it's the first time I've seen catnip being chopped off at the top. You know? Yes, somebody. Uh, I wouldn't surprise me if you find a deer nibbling on it. I, I wonder if that's the case. Uh, mm. And but I think the deer would have done a much tougher job. Although I have row covers now over my beans and yeah. and things, so uh, I'm, I'm making it a little bit more difficult for them. And I don't have that much out there. But I also put in my coffee plant, which I'm obviously I'm going to oh. bring inside. I'm curious. Oh. Which, how'd you get that? So, I or I had to, I, I I checked around and uh, the couple of the greenhouses there that have you know exotic flowers and mm -hmm. cactuses and mm -hmm. all kinds of things that are not uh, indigenous to this area. Uh, I couldn't find them, so I ordered online from someplace. And I hope I hope I didn't bring in some bugs with it, but <laughs> um, it, it looks healthy enough. And I did order one in the middle of the winter, figuring I'd grow it inside. And yeah. by the time I got back from work the one day, it was uh, sitting on the front steps and it was frozen <laughs> solid. <laughs> but anyway, so I, so I ordered another one in the correct season. And in the instructions, it says it'll be the third year of this plant, if I treat it well, that the first, they refer to them as cherries, that the first fruit will appear, yeah, does which is like a, a coffee cherry. bean. Yeah. 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 So, but, you know, since I drink so much coffee. I yes. mean, I'm still a 10 cup a day guy. Yeah. I'm curious to see what the plant looks like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, that's, absolutely. That's, that's, you know, that's makes been my, sense. That's been my approach to gardening from day one. We've got another caller on the line. Uh, fun program today. Mm -hmm. Good uh, afternoon. Your first name in town? Uh, my name is Ed, and I'm from Roxbury, Vermont. Hey, Ed. So I was at a farmer's market this morning, and... Uh, one of the growers uh, asked me whether or not I heard of this situation where he had a couple of kale plants that looked like they were dwarfed compared to the other ones. And when he dug them up, he found what looked like uh, white, small larval, um, like insects or... Yeah, they're, they're root maggots, and and uh, it affects uh, all the coal family. And is there anything he can do or he should have done to treat the soil or something before he planted? Um, the one thing you can do right now, getting a little feedback there. Okay, the one thing you can do right now is uh, get a can of wood ashes and put it right around the base of the plant. 
and just uh, sort of poke it in with a pencil or a pen or something like that. And that usually is enough to at least kill what's there. Um, it, 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 the, that's sort of the immediate thing you can do because they're, they don't like that, um, uh, the wet ashes at all. It actually kills them. Um, you could, uh, and it's, a you know, it affects all the broccoli plants. I've gone through some seasons where I've had a real problem with it, but I found that the wood ashes really does help and it'll actually, you know, stop uh, the maggots from, from killing the plant. And so maybe, uh, so for preventative, maybe do it around the healthy plants that are not affected yet? When you, exactly. Uh, And when you first, uh, when you first plant them now, I sprinkle little wood ashes in every hole when I, when I transplant them. So it seems that the plant is fine with it and the the root maggots are definitely set back. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. The uh, in the long run, right? Uh, this is one one thing where you really need need to rotate your crops. You just and the thing is, is that um, uh, you got broccoli and kale and cabbage and um, uh, Brussels sprouts, and there's so many things in the the kale, the brassica family, that you really have to be careful about mapping out your garden to now if he's has a an actual farm that probably a little easier because you could grow your broccoli here one year and the yeah. other year the the squash plants and then another year your carrots so that gives you your three years sure yeah uh, so that the um the cycle is broken right and uh so those those are two things. One's a uh, you know immediate, and one's the long range. Sure. But they will kill a plant quickly. It's true. Well, I'm, I'll pass that on to him then. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a brute maggot. Okay. Well, you have a good day, and Ed, thanks so much for calling. Good to thanks. hear from you. Let us know what you find out. Okay, we'll do. And thanks for your show. Sure thing. Bye. And uh, we have Anne in Brookfield on the line for you. Anne, welcome. Yes, I would like to talk about an orange tree as well as a coffee tree. Um, (laughs) Back uh, 54 years ago, that's how long my husband and I have been married, and I bought an orange tree uh, just a couple weeks afterwards, and it had nice little oranges on it so you can make orange jam. Mm -hmm. And the thing of it is, um, a friend came from Florida, and they said, you have oranges. We lost all of ours in Florida because it froze that time. Well, here we are in Vermont, and we had oranges. And it blossoms every year and gives us, you know, we just take a brush and brush the um, flower so that it does pollinate. Pollinates. Huh? Now, this yeah. orange tree is out, I have, outdoors? Yeah. Or you no, have no, it in it's, in, it's indoors. Phew. It's indoors. Okay. All right. and, and I use a brush. Yes. You know, so yeah. that oh, I'm that's great. like I'm a bee, you know, oh, pollinating fantastic. it. Okay. Well, then I bought a coffee tree mm-hmm. and I actually had coffee beans on it and they were starting to ripen and you cannot believe what happened. <laughs> we lost our house on Christmas Eve oh. and they all <laughs> burned. But I can tell you the coffee tree was great. It had coffee beans. So you should be able to do that. 
Oh, fantastic. Oh, well, thank you. Great. Yeah. They say it'll be the third year if I treat it correctly. Yeah, yeah I would think about that. Yeah. yeah. They're rather thin, skinny. Mine was, anyways. You know, it didn't uh, have a lot of branches. I don't know, you know, if there's something I could have done to have more branches, but it did have the beans and it was turning, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so. You will have it, I'm sure. Well, the yeah. only thing I notice is that the leaves are very shiny. It's a very, very, it's shiny. A very distinctive mm -hmm. little mm -hmm. plant. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I can't believe mm -hmm. after, I mean, ever since uh, ever since I started uh, staying late up at night in high school uh -huh. to try to right. pass my exams, I started drinking coffee, and I really drink a lot of it. I, <laughs> yeah, you know, we do, too. Uh, so I, I cherish my little plant. I'm saying, where does right. all this comes from, all this <laughs> yeah. wonderful stuff? Well, well, you know, it's just neat to have something that other people have, like lemon tree and yeah. or a lime tree. Mm -hmm. But I found that the lemon tree, I have beautiful lemons and everything, but uh, bugs came in through the screen. Mm. And then I had to treat it. And I didn't yeah. like to, you know, then use a lemon that I had to treat, yeah. you know. But anyways, good luck with your coffee tree. And I, I'm sure I will hear probably a couple of years from now you saying you got coffee beans. Well, thank you so much for calling. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Thank That's you. That's very nice. Yeah. Good story. Bye -bye. Yep. Yeah. My Thanks. my next big plant is to, plan is to do what my grandfather did, and I've, I've mentioned this before. I'm going to grow, uh, I'm going to grow figs. Oh yeah, my, my, that's Par Paradiso Farm. Yes, and you told me I have yeah. that written down yeah. in Shelburne. And then he's got plants there now. I just oh, saw I, his I, Facebook. I should make a point of going yeah. to, going on there this yeah. season. Yeah, but my, and he's he's uh, well, he's roasting coffee. I don't think he's growing coffee. But the um, my grandfather, I, what I remember distinctly, and this is like like as a you know, seven to eight to ten year old, with his plant, with his uh, coffee, with his uh, fig plant, mm -hmm. it was it was tall, but tall for a ten year old. Mm -hmm. like, and but when he got ready for the winter, I saw him do. He just wrapped the thing in burlap. Yeah, you know, it was like a literally looked like a bear by the end of it. Just yeah. wrapped and wrapped. So, yeah. and it and and that's how it overwintered in New Jersey. Yeah. And if uh, our friends at uh, at uh, Paradise say, say that. Uh, uh, we could do it here. I'll, I'm going to give it a shot. Good for you. Yeah. yeah, and they're beautiful plants. And they're and, and fresh figs are delicious. Oh, absolutely. Even canned figs. People, yeah. a lot of kids. Uh, you know, my <laughs> daughters wouldn't go near the canned yeah. figs that I bought. But even they are, yeah. uh, even they are delicious. But a raw fig is uh, a fresh fig is yeah. every once in a while delicious. we treat we treat ourselves yeah. and get fresh figs, and they're they are just that. They're a real treat. And uh, in Boston, when they when I first uh, saw. Uh, some of the Italian fellows there who were growing uh, uh, fig trees, they actually cut the roots on one side of the tree and laid it down on the ground and covered it, like you're saying, huh. with the burlap and, you know, layers and layers to keep it alive. And then they would pick it back up and stake it. And uh, apparently half of, the, half of the roots was enough to... Isn't to keep that it going, wow. yeah. You, I, I was blown away by it because it just, you know, defies logic, but it worked. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you learn a lot <laughs> just by uh, seeing what people do, and uh, you know what's. Uh, once again, this is the fastest. I think so. <laughs> hour on radio. <laughs> We'll give uh, one more shot if there's anybody with a last-minute phone call. Otherwise, and, and, 
and I, I didn't even get through all my bugs. Oh boy. So anyway, we're gonna hear, we'll we'll go for the last few of them next week. Yeah, indeed. So uh, are we uh, are we on next week? Oh no, no, we're not. I see Sunday no, or Saturday the twenty ninth. Uh, Yankees and Red Sox are oh, starting dear. right at noon. So oh dear. You know, good and bad news. We love the we love the baseball rivalry, but uh, we would much rather have them play at night. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's great. It's great. Barring a, barring a hurricane in Boston, <laughs> we, we will not be here next week, but we will be here on uh, it's right after the Fourth of July, right it's after sixth, the seventh. Uh, Friday. Yeah, I guess it's the uh, Saturday the sixth. Saturday the sixth. Okay, so it'll be two weeks. All right, buddy. We'll it's, see you. Uh, yeah, we'll see you. Thank you. And In the garden. That's where. <laughs> In the Garden with uh, Peter Burke is brought to you by Menards Agway, family true value, your neighborhood, yard, garden, and pet place right there on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Grow Compost of Vermont on Route 2 in Moortown, growcompost.com. By the Willie's Store in Greensboro, your true value store right there near Caspian Lake. Guy's Farm and Yard with four locations to serve you, Montpelier, Morrisville, Williston, and St. Albans. And by Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester. Chris and the gang, boy, do they ever have a selection of, of everything. And... Um, Check out their Mega Monday coupons. I know this past week, uh, great deals on pansies, of which they still have a plenty. Buy a PNR Lumber, locally milled lumber, family owned on Route 15 in Walcott. And buy your locally owned Montpelier Agway seeds and feeds and so much more. Uh, Montpelier Agway, Route 2 in Montpelier. And by V's Flowers and Garden Shop. You have to stop in. Wonderful, wonderful place and great people as well. And a terrific selection of all you need. V's Flowers and Garden Shop, Main Street in Waitsfield. We will see you two weeks from now at 1230 in the Garden with Peter Burke.